Welcome, I'm Iowa City Mayor Bruce Teague. This is Community Connection, where we highlight the work of our community partners during the coronavirus pandemic. One in four women and one in six men will be affected in their lifetime by intimate partner violence. Sadly, the current conditions that are keeping us at home can cause rising tension and at times are likely to increase the incidence of domestic disputes and abuse. I have two guests joining me to discuss this topic. Christy Fort Mendoza is Executive Director of the Domestic Violence Intervention Program, also known as DVIP. We've also got Sergeant Scott Stevens of the Iowa City Police Department with us. Thanks both of you for joining me today. Christy, I'm gonna start with you because DVIP has been in this for 40 years, and I know that you all have a lot of regular services that you all provide. Will you give us a little bit of information about the services that you all provide on a daily basis? You bet, absolutely. The Domestic Violence Intervention Program provides crisis intervention services for victims of domestic violence, dating violence, stalking, and human trafficking. Um, we work really hard to provide comprehensive support and advocacy, and uh, our, our biggest goals are immediate and long-term uh, safety, empowerment, dignity, and hope. I'll tell you that that is something that within our community is very appreciated because just to have an agency that is committed to the prevention of violence and even doing some things mm -hmm. to track it is quite, yeah. quite important. So during this pandemic, you know, there could be this potential surge of domestic violence and how are you all a part of that in trying to prevent it. So if you can talk to that a little bit. I think that our services being crisis intervention, um, most people are aware that we have a hotline and that we have an emergency shelter. And during the pandemic, those are, are what we call our baseline services and they are absolutely still in place. They look a little bit different uh, in that our crisis line is um, also being uh, supported by the statewide hotline and that our emergency shelter is really about how do we social distance and create opportunities to keep people safe and diminish exposure um, for uh, uh, COVID. I think that um, the other piece of this, the, the really critical piece of this when you move beyond the emergency support is just how is it that, that domestic violence is impacted by um, stay at home orders and uh, social distancing as a whole. And it has a significant impact. For many individuals who are battered by an intimate partner, um, being isolated with them over a long period of time actually increases danger. And uh, it is something that um, you don't have the same capacity to separate from somebody. You don't have the same capacity to protect your privacy um, or to reach out for support in an environment like we live in right now. One of the things about the environment, when you're talking about people staying at home and mm -hmm. because of COVID-19, mm -hmm. there are some people that have lost their jobs. So yes. that mental stress, you know, could be weighing in on someone. And whenever you put financial in there on top of, mm -hmm. you know, being, in, being with someone that <laughs> you're with them all day at this point, you know, in some situations, that increase of violence or just frustration you know, can, can increase. And so I think one of the things that is, I'm hoping to do with this today is just to make that awareness that the stressors of this time can be not only financial, but 
it can, it can be somewhat frustrating even when you have to see someone all day and if they're eating the you know chips crunching it loud that could be kind of a trigger for you and you know maybe you you say something that makes the other one mad and it's little things that can really be created into to something bigger and so that's one of the hopes that i want to do here is just to bring that awareness that during this time it could be some little annoyances that can really trigger some uh, confrontational behaviors and so just be mindful of it and you know maybe approach it in a different way when you're wanting to uh, deal with something that's kind of annoying and just to let the individual that you're living with know that hey I, I can hear your chips louder than the TV right now and it's driving me nuts and so maybe put a little humor to her but certainly during this time we do see a an uptick and I know that S Sergeant Stevens you're with us and I so appreciate yep. all that you are doing with the police department. Can you talk a little bit of, about your relationship with DVIP and what your officers are doing during this COVID-19 and with the domestic responses? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I appreciate what Christy has to say. This We have to recognize that for, for sure, uh, for a certain part of the population, this is their living hell, being uh, trapped at home with their abusers. And so, as a department, we, we recognize that. Um, a lot of the services we provide um, and what we do to investigate domestic violence and provide safety for victims and their families looks the same. Um, and it is the same. We have certain mandatory uh, laws that we have to enforce with domestic assault and those types of things. And with that comes uh, no contact orders and again, safety for victims and their families. Um, but ultimately our officers are having to be more than ever uh, a little more creative uh, with problem solving um, in light of the, the COVID-19. So certain things they're doing are um, finding ways to interview parties if they don't have to go into the residence. Let's say uh, one of the other parties is, is um, uh, calling in the complaint and, and is willing to come out and talk with us. If we don't have to go into the residence, we're not doing that. And then certainly we're still seeing the, the same stages of the investigation move forward. Um, when there's an arrest that has to take place, we've got to do that. But uh, we also know that the jails are trying to keep people out of uh, out of the out of their systems uh, for as a short a period of time as they can. So we know that we need a safety plan with those victims right then to be prepared for that person maybe to even get out of jail the next morning. When in other times that may not happen. So again, you see some creativity and some troubleshooting and. Uh, and, and some problem solving from officers in a different way than we've done in the past, but still bringing that, uh, you know, high level of service so that we can provide that safety and, and freedom and uh, for victims and their families. So you just mentioned when, when an individual does go to jail, with our court systems being closed right now, how does that play out as far as like someone being able to file a complaint? and? the follow-up, you know, from that complaint where it'd be brought sure. to uh, in front of the judge. Sure. And I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. You know, um, that's a very important piece of safety for many victims and their families. Um, keeping the uh, criminal justice system just outside of what they want to do to provide themselves safety. So they seek a no contact order, whether it's, we're talking about domestic assault, but there's sexual assault and elder abuse. Um, 
And actually, they've restructured the processes for obtaining that order just a little bit, not a lot. Mm -hmm. But victims no longer have to get their uh, application or their petition uh, notarized before it goes before uh, a judge. And, and so those forms can still be filed in person at the courthouse using the appropriate social distancing and they'll work, the courthouse will work as best they can with victims, but uh, they can also be done electronically. So people need to know that if that's, if that's a resource they need to use or that they are seeking um, more information about, the courthouse can still help with that. They can call the uh, 3566060 and talk to someone there to help have them guide them through. And in fact, on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, there's an access to justice coordinator, mm -hmm. a person that's specifically available to people seeking protective orders uh, and may have questions or need assistance going through that process. But it's still there. Uh, it's still a very valid and appropriate and strong resource for victims and their families. Um, just a little bit different in terms of uh, what it used to look like. And maybe Christy has more to add as well. I think the thing that I would add is that um, the resource and support to talk through the process and to figure out what the best option is for you still exists. Um, we have um, our local hotline 319-351-1043 and our statewide hotline um, 800-373-1043. Those numbers give somebody the opportunity just to sit and talk um, through what's happening, how it's impacting them, and then how to access the systems um, in our community. Uh, because it is quite different, there's no question, and it can be quite intimidating. I think one of the hardest things is that for many survivors, when they take that initial <clears throat> step to um, connect with somebody um, or to reach out for support, um, anything we can do to diminish the barriers, barriers is, is really, really critical. Um, the court systems have worked really, really hard to try and make it as seamless as possible. But the minute somebody hears that something's changed, it tends to slow them down. And so what we really want to try and reiterate is that that hotline is still available um, 24 hours a day just to talk through and find out what option is going to be best for you. I think that... Um, trying to navigate systems during this time um, probably seems really <laughs> crazy and, and intimidating. And uh, we're really, really lucky in our area to have um, many uh, nonprofits and law enforcement and um, health services professionals that have a good appreciation and understanding of the additional barriers that victims of, of violence face in this time period and they um, work really hard to make sure that their avenues to support are as open as we can make them. So Sergeant Stevens, the Iowa City Police Department was one of six departments within the entire nation who received mm -hmm. a grant to become a model to prevent bias when responding to sexual assault and domestic violence calls. Tell us about that work and how it changed the department's response, especially when we're talking about individuals calling and feeling invited to call. Yeah, yeah, no, I, we were uh, we were fortunate. In, in 2018, we started the grant cycle from the International Association of Chiefs of Police to improve our response to domestic assault, strangulation, stalking, uh, in addition to sexual assault, um, but the, the interpersonal violence component of our work at the police department. 
um, a lot of what we did was, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, if you've heard the expression, you know, the whole is bigger than the sum of its parts. Mm -hmm. We did a lot of small things in the process of in almost two years, uh, working closely with our community partners. And I have to give Christy credit, um, without our community partners, we would not have been able to have the successes that we saw with the work we did during that grant cycle. And certainly DVIP was a huge part of that. Um, but, it, but also all of our community partners and, and as Christy mentioned, uh, people in Iowa City are very fortunate, as is the police department, to have such strong, uh, you know, vibrant advocacy services for victims. Uh, we, we're really a gem, I guess, unique in that, uh, mm -hmm. in that yeah. way. But really, um, again, the, the bigger picture is that we began to change our culture at the police department uh, or shift our culture, not necessarily change. I feel like we were, we were always, we've always been focused heavily on uh, domestic violence in this community. We've had a partnership with DVIP for uh, Christy, 23 uh, years yeah. now. Uh, yeah, so uh, since late the late 90s, 90s right? Mm -hmm. So um, we've worked very, very closely. And it's not just with working with victims. Um, we also have the county attorney's office as the third sort of leg of the, of, of the approach. So we've got the advocacy and law enforcement together, meeting with victims, providing safety, you know, holding offenders accountable. Uh, and then giving the best uh, package to the county attorney so that they can move forward uh, with the victim at the front of what we're doing, uh, hopefully, and, and holding those offenders accountable. But um, it was a lot about changing the culture of the department through training. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that uh, retired Chief Matherly at the time wanted to do was change our mission statement. And that's really kind of who we are as a department. It also includes our values, but our mission statement is uh, to work in partnership with the community, enhance trust, protect with courage and compassion, and empower victims of crime through excellence and service. Uh, and so we're, we're continuing to do that. That's a culture thing. That's a big picture thing. That's what every officer can look to to say, you know, how am I going to handle this situation? How am I going to go one step more than I used to, to have to do uh, for my community in light of what we're dealing with in response to COVID-19? But really, it is those partnerships with the community that we fall back on. Uh, I said officers have to be a little bit more creative, a little bit better at problem solving. But what it comes down to is we know who to call for help. And that's going to be our domestic violence intervention program. And the bottom line is our history of working together so successfully uh, over the past 20 plus years uh, leads us to the point where we can be comfortable knowing that if we need to call for help, uh, DVIP is going to be right there with us. Um, but that's ultimately what talking about the grant, um, what it was, is changing the culture. Uh, again, we're in a community where we're lucky to have such strong relationships. Uh, that's what makes us good at what we do. Without those relationships, it just it just wouldn't happen. But I could go on about the grant, but really that's the that's the big picture thing is, is a shift in culture. Officers working a little bit harder uh, to make sure people in our community are safe. So far, we've been talking about victims and the offender. But if I have a friend or a family member, wh what could I do to kind of intervene or to support them if I think that they are in a situation that is, you know, experiencing domestic violence? Well, the first thing I would say is 
um, look for some information about safety planning and, and some ways that you might introduce safety to your friend or family member. Um, on our website, www.dvipiowa.org, we have a whole range of materials and um, they're all designed to help people connect where they need to. And so um, just feeling comfortable asking the question, do you feel safe right now? Are you okay? Um, are you okay telling me what's happening? Uh, but more importantly, once you ask the question, being willing to listen and hear the answer and being willing to respect what that person says that they need at that time. Those are, are just, uh, just so important. I think so many times we have an idea of what we think should happen or what um, you may personally want to happen. And uh, that may or may not be a safe thing for somebody who is responding to violence in an intimate relationship. Uh, they know what their partner is capable of they are um, constantly vigilant on what's happening within their home environment and making decisions on how to keep themselves safest. And so when you ask that question, um, you know, are you feeling safe right now? Uh, if somebody says yes, tell them we've got a place you can call. There is a local hotline. There are people who um, can sit down and talk with you. If they say, um, yeah, I'm perfectly fine, um, uh, uh, or, or no, there's nothing going on. It's also okay to say, you know, I'm really glad you're safe. I think that domestic violence happens so much that um, I think it's okay to check in on the people that we care and love uh, to make sure that they're safe in their home. Will you give us that information and where we can go again to learn more about the services you all offer so that people yeah. know how to really look at the resources and how that would be impacted? The hotline's the most important number. That's 800-373-1043. There's somebody there 24 hours a day that can help you just talk through it, answer questions. But our website is also just a really great receptacle of just information. And so the website address is www.dvipiowa.com. Dot org. So dvipiowa.org. Another service you're doing now during the pandemic is sheltering people. Talk yes. about that. And uh, what are you doing for your staff to keep them safe and the individuals that are utilizing the shelter? Well, shelter in a pandemic has definitely been a challenge. Um, it's something that we've been talking about across the country about how shelters having community living spaces make it incredibly difficult to social distance and to diminish the, um, uh, the nature of exposure to COVID. And so for us, we made a decision early on that we wanted to depopulate our shelter uh, to the greatest extent that we can. That particular decision was supported by all of the national conversation and more importantly, by our local conversation. We've been very lucky that uh, our uh, county emergency um, services, Johnson County Emergency Management, has recognized from the very beginning that shelters for individuals who are homeless and individuals who experience domestic violence are critical and critical to keep right in the forefront. And so for us, we had about 35 people in shelter uh, when this all got started and we moved all of them in about two weeks. And that was, uh, that was a Herculean effort, I can, I can say. Um, we've been very lucky to have support through um, the city of Iowa City, Johnson County, uh, through uh, 
some hotels in the area, some, the Housing Fellowship, the Housing Trust Fund of Johnson County, and the Community Foundation of Johnson County in making sure that the, the individuals that we're supporting are in safe locations and are healthy. Um, on top of that, of course, though, we still had all of their needs to respond to, whether that be food, um, housing needs, uh, whether that be uh, individual resources like, you know, for babies and for medical and all of that. And so our staff have been outfitted with PPE, um, PPE uh, equipment uh, through Johnson County and through some other resources and donations and uh, have been taking care of themselves and really, really happy to say we've managed to uh, keep our exposure and danger level on that, on that count uh, very, very low. Well, it sounds like we're in this together is actually in practice by all the names of the partnerships that you all have created. 40 years in service has DVIP and I know that this year you're celebrating your 40 years with the term 40 years in f moving forward, is that? Yes, yes, so, absolutely, 40 years forward. 40 years forward. So now that 40 years forward, you plan to have a celebration that has been postponed until fall. So sorry about that. The world, <laughs> is, the world is adjusting to postponements. I have my own personal experience of something major being postponed. But mm -hmm. what I would tell you is this, people can still continue to celebrate in various ways with you all. One, certainly waiting until fall and see how that plays out. But yes. with all the work that you have going on right now, we wanna definitely share an opportunity for people to donate. Can you give us that information if they would like to support some of the efforts that you all are doing, which is pretty critical now, and not only now during the pandemic, but it's been critical for the past 40 years, the work that you all have been doing. Thank you, yes, donations are our lifeblood. Bluntly, we could not do anywhere near the work that we do, serving more than 1,900 people every year without donations and support from the community. Uh, when I mentioned moving 35 people, um, some of those were into hotels, but some of those were into apartments that were empty. <laughs> and um, we've had tremendous support with donations of household goods, bedding, and kitchen supplies and things along that line to get people situated very, very quickly. Um, donations can be made online at our website, uh, www.dvipiowa.org. Uh, there is a bar across the top of the page um, where it says where you can donate. And uh, cash is certainly something that is helping us tremendously because it gives us a lot of flexibility in how we support people. Uh, if there are um, supplies that are specific culturally or physically and medically, uh, we're able to respond to those quickly as needed. Um, it also helped us with technology. Um, we needed some very specific equipment in order to be able to continue providing services. So um, if you have items that you want to donate that you think uh, can be used in your house. We could certainly use them in ours. Uh, please don't hesitate to give us a call. We actually have uh, a contact person, Ashley, and her number is 319-359-9353. And she can coordinate with you on a pickup or a drop-off. We have a, a neutral location where items can be dropped off safely and then we can pick them up later. Um, or like I mentioned, you can go to our website to donate uh, there as well. Well, thanks to both of you, both Sergeant Stevens and Christy for 
all the work that you're doing. And Sergeant Stevens, when mm -hmm. I think about the work that the police department is doing right now, certainly there are frontline workers that have to mm -hmm. respond um, to individuals that may be COVID positive, have symptoms, but they're responding, sometimes not even being aware uh, if the individual has any of those symptoms. And if they're uh, responding to an abuse situation, it mm -hmm. really does just increase their risk. So thanks for all that you and the department yeah. is doing. Is there anything mm -hmm. you want to say in these last uh, minutes that we have together? Sure, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I want people to know that the Iowa City Police Department will bring excellence in service. Not perfect, but excellence in service. You, you heard that in our mission statement. That's our motto. We understand and recognize that when law enforcement comes to a situation where there's domestic violence and we're intervening, that's a very dangerous time sometimes for victims. Um, and what we do know also is that when a victim chooses to leave, that again is a, is a very sensitive time, a very dangerous time. We're going to provide that excellent service. We're gonna do everything we can to help them stay safe, give them agency, give them the ability to make decisions for themselves and their family in partnership with our community, whatever services that might be, um, especially like DVIP, but we'll be there for you. We're going to provide outstanding service to you and um, trust us and call if you need help. I, I would concur that anyone that is a victim or know a family member or a friend that has experienced something uh, to this nature, feel free to reach out to I Iowa City Police Department because they will come realizing that this is a challenging situation and they're going to navigate it to the best of the abilities to in, to really do the best for the, the victim. And then, of course, we have Christy, who is, you know, on, daily, you know, dealing with this, with people that you serve. What are some final words you want to say to uh, people out there? I guess my final words are that there isn't anything you do that makes it okay for somebody to hit you or abuse you in an intimate relationship. Violence is not a natural cause to anything. And so it's not your fault. Uh, the hotline is there for you to talk it through and figure out what your resources are and your support because you deserve it. Great. Thanks to both of you for joining me today on Community Connection. And I'll You're see welcome. you all later. Sounds Thank good. You. Great. Thanks so much. Thank mm -hmm. you both. That's our show for today. Keep up to date on city responses to COVID-19 by visiting icgov.org slash coronavirus. I'll be back on Thursday with another Community Connection. I'll be speaking with the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics about their response efforts. You won't want to miss it. Until then, be safe, Iowa City.